Do you wonder where COVID-19 came from? We talked to an expert in this week's show. Coronavirus, where did it come from? Starting right now. Welcome to the Weird and Wacky Planet's Nature Just Got Real podcast for kids. Join KB Carr, author of the Weird and Wacky Planet series with Chuck Darwin, Tito and Captain Jack as they bring you the real skinny on what's really going on in the natural world. And now, here's your host, KB Carr. Hello, hello, hello. I am KB Carr from Nature Just Got Real, and today I am interviewing Dr. Ryan Colburn from the John Ball Zoo here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Very excited to have Dr. Ryan on with us today, and we're going to talk about the coronavirus and how it got started. So I know y'all are pretty curious about that, and so we're coming from a scientific point of view, and uh, so I'm going to ask Dr. Ryan some questions. Uh, uh, how are you, Dr. Ryan? Thanks so much for being here with us. Oh, I'm doing well, and thank you very much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, we want to ask you, how do scientists think that the coronavirus or, or COVID-19 got started? Well, it's interesting because when you think about what COVID-19 is, COVID-19 is a sickness that's caused by a virus. Viruses are, um, if you think of when we're growing up, our parents are always telling us to wash our hands, to be careful around germs. And viruses, like bacteria, are a type of germ. They're a small uh, organism that's so small we can't see it without the help of things like microscopes. Um, but those viruses can go on and make either animals or people sick. One of the things that's helpful is that most of those viruses are fairly picky. They choose to um, infect a certain type of animal or just affect people. Um, and what happened in this situation is we think that this is a virus that started out in animals, um, but was able to learn how to infect people. Um, and so uh, in a, an area called a wildlife market uh, in China, it was an area that brought a lot of animals and a lot of people in very close proximity. They were really close to each other. Um, it's a really busy, um, exciting place with lots of noise, lots of stress for those animals. And that's where they think that um, people were able to be so close to those animals that a virus that originally was picky and kind of favored bats was able to make that jump um, and start to make people sick. And those animals are not animals that would naturally cross over each other's territories in the wild, would they? Right. These are animals that are really artificially brought together. And a lot of times we, we do that too, in a sense, when you think about what life is like at a zoo. We bring people close to animals so we can learn about them so that we can get excited about them. But there's a really important difference. In a zoo, we have zookeepers that are taking care of these animals very carefully, making sure that they have healthy food to eat. They have veterinarians like myself who are making sure to keep them healthy. Um, and we're trying to create a space for them where they can have a life that is, is happy and normal for them. Um, in a wildlife market, it's a very different place because people and animals are very close, but they're animals that are, like you said, are not normally going to be in the same place. Right. And they're also um, in a very stressful place with lots of noise, lots of excitement. Um, and viruses are interesting because many viruses take advantage of that. When a person or animal's body is 
is stressed or nervous, that's sometimes the time that a virus can, can take advantage of that and make someone sick. Right, right. And plus at the zoo, you're giving them their own space. They're not, they're not all right on top of each other. Like you're not putting, like there's a reptile house, there's a, you know, mammal area. They're not, you know, intermingling unless they normally do. Correct. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying to find those natural combinations. So if animals are in the same space, like you said, they're animals that would be together normally. Right. Um, and we're creating spaces there that are very particular to them and meet all of their needs. A reptile needs a certain temperature, a, a fish needs a certain quality of water. So we're making sure that each animal has its own needs met. And this is more of a, a very busy bustling place where everything's kind of all thrown together. Great. Okay. Yep. I, I, I love the zoo. I do. And, uh, and so, so recently, we just had in the news that a tiger at the Bronx Zoo did test positive for the coronavirus. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they did say a few other of the big cats also exhibited a dry cough, which was like one of the, one of the things. Well, they do think that they're going to be okay, right? So, yes. so wh what happened there? Yeah, so when this virus first started spreading throughout the world and we started seeing it on the news, we were all watching it very closely because initially we felt that it had made that jump to people but wasn't really going back in the other direction and affecting animals. But from a veterinarian's perspective, we're caring for so many types of animals at the zoo, we really want to know who's at risk because we it was really a big unknown. Um, and now we know that um, it is a virus that can make that jump um, to make cat species sick. Um, the, the tiger at the Bronx was the only one that's actually been tested, but you're right, there was a group of cats that all had kind of the signs of a, a respiratory infection where they were coughing. Um, and ultimately, they all seem to be re recovering from that very smoothly. So um, there have been a couple very isolated cases in other animals that people are studying same thing where it seems like um, if they do get sick, their signs are very, very mild and they're not um, getting severely sick like we're seeing in, in some people. Um, right. But the numbers have been very, very low, but that does mean that we at the zoo have to be extra cautious because what we think happened is that um, because so many people in the New York area were sick, we think that some one of the zookeepers was probably exposed to the virus and without even knowing it, exposed the cats to them uh, to right. that virus. So right. for us, you hear a lot of people on the news talking about social distancing to stay away from people. Right. Um, and we're doing the same thing with the animals at the zoo. So for our cat species, we are also doing the same for our monkeys, the primate species, because they are so closely yeah. related to us um, that we're using that same concept of wearing masks, staying about six feet away, um, unless we need to for something that's really important for their care. So um, taking those same kind of precautions to make sure that uh, we don't take any risks and we keep the animals healthy. Oh, that is, that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, and so along those lines, um, one of the questions kids kind of wanted to know was, was can we get it from our pets or can, can our pets get it from us? That's a really good question. And people have been looking at that very closely because so many of us have dogs and cats at home and other pets. Um, we do know that um, there has been one cat 
um, in the in the world, a, a cat in Belgium who, um, similar to that tiger, had kind of a cough and some some signs um, after being exposed to um, her owner that was sick. Um, so there is that possibility that that can happen, although it's very low. Um, and we do also know that um, we haven't seen any cases of animals having the disease and spreading it to people. Um, so okay. the bigger the bigger risk seems to be for us, um, if we become sick, if we get a cold-like symptoms and we think we could be sick, it's just important for us to keep our distance from our family members, from our friends, and our pets, just to be extra safe. Um, but right. so far, um, as the scientists have been studying this, we have not seen any evidence that we can catch this from our pets. It's more a disease that's spending its time jumping from person to person. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good to know. Um, and, and another question was that uh, some states have now made it legal for people to eat roadkill. I cannot imagine why, but <laughs> so, so would, should we have a concern about consuming wild animals for food? That's a really, it's a really good question. And I think um, we do know that some of the scientists that have looked at COVID-19 in particular think that um, some of the people that were the very first to get sick in those markets were people that were consuming or eating meat from wild animals. Um, right. So there is a chance that when we are presented with, a, with food that we don't know or we don't know how healthy it is, it could put us at risk. There's lots of um, states that really have a lot of legal hunting. So for certain types of wildlife, you can get a license, you can hunt. And in those methods where it's safe and legal, we can find those ways to make sure that that meat is healthy and safe. Um, so people are not going to get sick. However, those are there's some steps that need to be taken. Um, and if you're ever in a situation where there's food that you just don't know um, if, if it comes from a healthy source, you do have to be extra cautious just to be on the safe side because it can expose you to things like bacteria uh, and viruses in some cases. All right, thank you. Good to know, because you know, uh, Michigan is a big hunting state, so I think that was, a, that was a concern. And actually that concern came, or that question was mostly voiced by my daughter who lives in Oregon, which sure. is not a big hunting state, but they did just make it legal for people to eat roadkill. I have never heard of that before at all, but apparently in some states, that's okay. So, okay. Um, and, and I also, we also wanted to know that since the zoo had to close, they have to, you have to close for a length of time. Um, what are some of the things you'll do to take care of the animals um, if you have to cut down on the staff and other resources? Sure. Um, so you're absolutely right. The zoo is closed um, until further notice right now, until we get the word that it is safe. Um, to go back and, and start um, welcoming people back to the zoo again. Um, that does mean that a, a big collection of our team, those that are in charge of the gift shop and the food service and um, those that really work behind the scenes, many of them are working from home um, to help keep the staff and the animals safe. Uh, but there is a group of um, zookeepers, my team in the veterinary de department, we are there um, making sure that we have everything we need for those animals and that they're receiving the care that they need. So each right. day they're getting um, healthy food, they're getting a clean, um, clean enclosure to live in, uh, clean habitat, um, but we are also making sure that um, certain things 
are kind of on hold to make sure that we keep them safe. So we rely really heavily on training to make sure that we are able to work with the animals closely. Um, some of our animals are trained to get uh, blood samples taken or trained to get injections. And some of those things that are really important in the long term right now are on hold just so that we don't have that period where we're really close and within that six feet for longer than we need to be. So right. some of those interactions have changed uh, just to make sure everyone stays healthy. Um, but um, the zoo is, um, as we work through that, it's springtime. This is normally the time where everyone's starting to, to move outside and get ready for the summer. Um, and we're very hopeful that we will see that um, eventually we start to see the restrictions lift, that things get, that get better and we can welcome everyone back to the zoo because both our team and the animals will be really happy to see everyone back this summer. I'll be happy too. We can't wait for the zoo to open. And uh, last too. but not, yeah, I'm sure. And last but not least, um, what do you want kids to know? What, what, is, what is the one takeaway? What do you want kids to know? I think probably the one thing to think about is that this is a pretty strange time. It's strange for everybody, whether that's moms and dads, kids, uh, teachers who are not being able to teach in their classroom, for those of us at the zoo. So it's just a very, very strange and, and sometimes scary time because we know that there's this sickness going around. But um, I think that one thing that I have really um, learned a lot through this time is seeing that people, when we work together, uh, when we all come together, we can get through anything and we'll come out the other end where right now we have to all do our part and stay home and stay safe. Um, but if we do that, um, we'll, we will get to the point where this is something that we look back on more as a memory and we can move on to, to much better times. But it's going to be strange for a little while. It's going to be different, um, but we can all get through it. Well, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait for the zoo to open too. <laughs> so uh, and we'll have the links to the zoo put in the show notes. I want to thank you wonderful. so, so much for joining us. And uh, I hope you all, uh, all get out and support your zoo in your area once those restrictions are lifted, uh, because they really do need your support. Thank you yes, so thanks. much, Dr. Ryan. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that. Now here's a word from our sponsor. Ever spotted a flying monkey? What about the naked rodents who snack on the unthinkable? Or tiny elephants you can hold in your hands? Take a look at these animals and more in the book Weird and Wacky Creatures 2, part of the Weird and Wacky Planet series by KB Carr. Spot them wherever books are sold and wrap your trunk around your own copy. It's time for the Weird and Wacky Word of the Week. The word of the week is pandemic. In describing a pandemic disease, it is used as a noun and would mean a disease that is spread widely throughout an entire country, continent, or the entire planet. Used as an adjective, the word could be used to describe a pandemic fear of something which would be a widely spread or global fear of something. See how many times you can use these words in a sentence today and impress someone with your genius. Until next week, I am Dr. Chuck Darwin. Cheerio. Thank you, Chuck.
And now here's Captain Jack to answer another one of your questions. Got a question? Ask the captain. Ahoy, mateys. This week's question comes from Bradley in Chicago. Bradley wants to know the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic. Well, Bradley, an epidemic is something that spreads in a smaller area like a community or a region. It doesn't have to be just a disease either. The hipster look created an epidemic of skinny jeans and flannel shirts. Now a pandemic is something that spreads across the country, a continent, or the whole world. I don't think the hipster look has spread that far yet, but I'm keeping an eye on it. I hope that answers your question, Bradley. If any of you have a question, you can email me at naturejustgotreal at gmail.com. I'm always listening. This is Captain Jack signing off until next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jack. And if you have a question for Jack, just email it to her at naturejustgotreal at gmail.com or you can leave a message for her at 616-259-6742. And now here's Tito with this week's Creature Feature. And now, the Weird and Wacky Weekly Creature Feature. This week's weird animal is the bat. Even though bats are the go-to animal for COVID-19, it behooves me to point out all the ways bats are beneficial to the planet as well as some cool bat facts. 20% of the world's mammals are bats. Bats are the only mammals who can fly. There are over 1,200 different species of bats. 70% of bats consume insects and small bugs. We'd be overrun with insects if it weren't for bats, am I right? Bats help with the pollination of flowers and distribution of fruit seeds just like bees. Bat poop, called guano, is used for fertilizer to grow plants and food. So hats off to bats for being a pretty useful critter. Just maybe we should leave them alone and not bring them into unnatural environments though, huh? I'm Tito, and I'll see you all next week. All right, that's it for this week's show. This week, the question of the week is, do you think those wildlife markets in China should be shut down? Let us know. You can email us with a comment or, or leave a message at, uh, at 616-259-6742. All right, that wraps it up, and we'll see you next week. You have a safe week in your neighborhood. That wraps up the show for today. Thank you to our sponsor, Weird and Wacky Planet. And thank you for listening. Thank you for caring and thank you for sharing. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Let us know if you do and we might mention you on the show. Until next week, go have an adventure in your neighbourhood.